It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. On DAB+, online, via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. The Women's Football Show with Baker Others. It's a really, really good finish. I love goals like that on TalkSport 2. Happy New Week, you lovely lot. Did you enjoy the last round of WSL fixtures before the international break? Let us know. There was a tense top-of-the-table clash, some exciting comeback victories, and we saw our first hat-trick of the WSL season as well. I caught up with former England international and talk sport commentator Leanne Sanderson to reflect on all the best bits from the weekend. Aston Villa 2, Tottenham 4 is how it finished at the Bescott Stadium. Barclays WSL top scorer Martha Thomas has been having fun at her new side, hasn't she, this season. She scored a hat-trick in Tottenham's 4-2 win over Villa. It's now four defeats from four, as you said, for Carla Ward's side. They had taken the lead as well. Last season's Golden Boot winner, Rachel Daly, slotting home a penalty after five minutes. That certainly kicked Spurs into gear, though, and they put four past Villa before a late consolation goal from Lucy Parker. Interesting comments from Spurs manager Robert Villaham, hailing his team for playing the Tottenham way, as he said. You know, you mentioned we've had Jenna Scalacci on, on the show on a number of occasions so far this season she's been so happy about what's going on behind the scenes at Spurs and she's got good reason to be yeah definitely and I think Robert Villaham not many people knew a lot about him before he came here obviously taking over from Rianne Skinner and obviously he spent his entire career in Sweden and I think I like him in interviews I think he's got a bit about him I think sometimes the unknown in women's football is sometimes a good thing because sometimes you get certain managers that are kind of on a conveyor belt and then they come back to a club and those types of things but I think he's done a really good job it's only four games you know three wins one loss um it's not that it's not that disappointing is it and I think you know a lot of people are saying Tottenham are in a really good place in the men's team and the women's team at this moment in time you know Van Postecoglou doing well there Robert Villaham as well, doing well with them. So I think Martha Thomas, you just mentioned, you know, hat trick, but a player that looks really happy. And I think when you're happy, when you're playing somewhere and especially having that responsibility that Beth England is still out and at Manchester United, Martha Thomas was that kind of bit part player coming off the bench, getting minimal minutes, didn't really know where she played. And I think now she's finally found a home and she's flying. What a great start she's had. Yeah, six goals for the season, which is quite incredible. And it seems like Spurs have got a bit of a blueprint going on, as you say, with the, both the men's and the women's team. Uh, as for Carla Ward's Villa, though, another loss, zero points on the board. What well, what's going wrong? If if you can if you can even begin to sum that up quickly, what's going wrong there? Yeah, it's difficult because they're not playing the same type of football we were used to seeing them play last year. Obviously, they did. I think they overachieved last year to a certain degree. 
They obviously had Rachel Daly coming in. They've got Adriana Leone and Ebony Salmon as well and those types of players. And I'm surprised they're not doing anywhere near as well as they should be. But I think there's still time. You know, they, they finished fifth last year. Nobody really expected them to do that, I don't think. And with the players they've got, I have no doubt they'll start to kind of find their way a little bit. But it's not a time to panic yet. But I think Carla Wall did a really good job there last year. And I think they just need to almost go back to basics. You know, they've got the best player in the league last year, Rachel Daly. We know she can score goals. But I think the responsibility has to be shared. And, you know, we know Lucy Parker scored the other goal in the game. But I think when Rachel Daly, the responsibility can't just be on Rachel Daly all the time. She has to be provided with the service. And we know she'll put the ball in the back of the net. So they have a really good front three in their team. But they need to also be better at the back, ultimately. Yep, they do. Another 4-2 scoreline at Kings Meadow. This time as the hosts who are victorious, though, as Chelsea beat Brighton on Sunday afternoon. And summer signing Shuka Nushkin scored twice, assisted Aggie Beaver-Jones' second-half goal as well as Chelsea came from behind. So that means they draw level on points with league leaders Manchester City. Pauline Bremer had opened the scoring for Brighton, but uh, the defending champions turned the heat up. Sam Kerr setting up two of Chelsea's goals, proving again why it's so important to have her back in the starting 11. The scoreline could have been different, though, if it wasn't for an impressive display and goal from Brighton's Sophie Bagley. At Talk Sports, Charlotte Richardson spoke to Chelsea boss Emma Hayes after the victory. Slow start. Thought the goal was offside. In fact, it was offside, um, but a great reaction. Good to get the goal for half time. Hit the couple, hit the bar a couple of times. Hit the players came from the bench again, showed their quality. No game's easy. The Brighton goal did leave a bit of a charm life. The crossbar, some good defending and goalkeeping as well. But your team stuck to their attacking principles. How important is that for them to have that patience and wait for it to pay off? Yeah, you, sometimes you're giving something up because we're committing numbers in a certain way and we're trying to play a certain way. Um, on one level it's good going forward but they've scored two goals off of 0.55 xg and that's something for me to look at but overall really pleased another international break yeah how is that when you're trying to build momentum and, and seek to make improvements week in week out yeah not not the best but it's always you know we'll get used to it how impressed were you with their summer signing nushkin i mean she really seems to add a, a new dimension yeah, she does. And, you know, she's only 22 years old, coming over from Eintracht Frankfurt. And I think a lot of people expect her to play kind of like the defensive midfield spot. Whereas actually, I think Emma Hayes has brought her in, as we've seen in the first game, to play a little bit higher. So she's almost like that pivot player that can play in the 10, but also play in the four. And I think along with Sophie Ingle, it's a really good partnership they have. And I think Sophie Ingle is a, is a fantastic player. I think at times last year when she got taken out of the lineup, I think she was quite hard done. I thought it was hard done by because I think she really makes them tick. And because she's the type of centre defensive midfielder that allows everyone to be themselves, I think Nelson will be really good for them this season. Really, really good. And we've seen they took away the goal for her hat trick. I still think it should have been given to her. But <laughs> Fantastic. And Emma Hayes just seems to, I mean, how she puts together these, talk about recruitment, talk about scouting and knowing what you want. Go and get players that they feel like they need. And they just seem to, every single year, get better. Yeah, they do. 28 attempts on goal. They had 66 touches inside Brighton's penalty area. But uh, visiting goalkeeper Sophie Bagley made nine saves. She was so impressive. Um, by the way, we'll talk about Chelsea's Champions League draw shortly. But let's focus on Brighton and heading to their camp. Here's Charlotte with their manager, Melissa Phillips. Played a really good first half. Uh, it, it's always difficult to concede as late into the half as we did um, going in at halftime. And then... 
ultimately we forced Chelsea to change the shape. They were able to find some midfield spaces that exploded us for that second goal. And, but I can't knock the fight and the resilience because I think we continued, once we adapted to the shape, we continued to find ways to press and win the ball back and create a couple opportunities ourselves. But look, Chelsea are top side and I think we were punished for a few errors in possession for the, the third and fourth goals. I know that this is the first of four big games against the big four and you've spoken about wanting to be competitive. To what extent did you feel your side were competitive um, against Chelsea, the current WSL champions? Uh, I think we were very competitive. I think in the first half it looked a really evenly matched game. Um, obviously we, we, we knew after scoring a goal we were going to face a wave of attack and have to, to be brave and defend the goal and we did that and that's why it's so unfortunate to concede in the, the, literally the dying seconds of the half. Um, and I think unfortunately that that's been a trend in, in both this game and the Spurs game is just the, the timing of which we've conceded goals has been really tough. Um, but yeah, I think it, it's not for a lack of organisation out of possession or ability to press. It's just tidying up a lot of areas in possession where we're turning over the ball in key areas. I mean, look, it's three straight defeats for Brighton now. What, what are their aims this season, do you reckon? It's interesting with Brighton because I feel like they're that team that a couple of seasons ago, nobody liked playing against them. And now they've almost become, they don't really have much of an identity. What I see with them, I think they've got good enough players. You know, Thoris Dottie has gone in there defensively. I thought Bagley, as you mentioned, was fantastic in the first half. I thought they them conceding just before halftime against Chelsea. We saw it happen to West Ham last year when they were up. That That's when you know Chelsea will kick into gear. But I think, you know, they've got Katie Robinson, Vicky Lasada, their captain. They've got good enough players, but I just don't see it gelling right now. So the identity to me just doesn't look like it's there. It's hard to know. You know, Vicky Lasada is playing a lot deeper than she usually would have to because she had to do a lot more defensive work. Whereas you want Vicky Lasada being a little bit higher up the field so she can kind of connect the players. But they have good enough players. Katie Robinson is one of the best players, you know, young players in the league. So, and I think, you know, that experience she had at the World Cup and those types of things will only help her. But I think they just don't look like they have an identity right now. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Uh, Bristol City trying to imprint their new identity back in the WSL, but still no victories. It finished Bristol City 1, Arsenal 2, Katie McCabe scoring twice for the Gunners, their first away win of the season. And it took her just seven minutes to open the scoring, one of her signature long-range strikes. But uh, just 10 minutes later, Bristol's uh, Rachel Furness equalised a skillful header from her. It was a record crowd for Bristol City at Ashton Gate as well, over 12,000 in attendance, but they just couldn't hold on to that point. McCabe putting Arsenal ahead, scoring the winner in the 59th minute. But, I mean, some brilliant news if you're an Arsenal fan, with uh, Vivian Miedemar also making her first appearance for Arsenal since rupturing her ACL last season. Great news for Arsenal, Leanne. Both Mead and Miedem are back. How encouraging is it for them that they've now picked up two consecutive wins as well? Yeah, it's, it is good. I mean, I said they've disappointed me this year, but maybe I was a little bit harsh, but I just think we've been accustomed to knowing that Arsenal can win games pretty comfortably and obviously losing the first game against Liverpool, but they have missed these players, you know, I think obviously Leah Williamson's still out as well. And it's kind of crazy to think that last year they got to the semi-final of the Champions League against Wolfsburg. And now obviously the plan would have been for them to have obviously got through the qualification of the Champions League and these players have then come back in and help the team. So I think it's fantastic those players are back. That injury is the worst injury. I've had it myself. Unfortunately, it's the number one injury we see in the women's game. Um, it's the most common injury. It's been there for years, but seems to be more prevalent now. And the fact that they're both back, I think it's an exciting time for Arsenal. But I think, obviously, 
being out of the Champions League, I know we're going to talk about that later, but that is massive for these types of clubs like Arsenal and Manchester United to be out of them. Especially having bring, brought in, you know, players like Alessia Russo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're going to add to your ranks, that's a t- pretty decent one to to do that. Uh, High flying Leicester suffered their first loss of the season, beaten one nil at home to Manchester City. Chloe Kelly's tenth minute goal proving the difference between the two sides in the end. City retaining their place at the top of the WSL table. Talk Sports Bradley Hayden caught up with Leicester manager Willie Kirk last week and asked him his thoughts on his team's start to the season. The word satisfied is probably the right one to use. We are satisfied. Well, we're not getting carried away with it, but we've uh, we've done enough to obviously accumulate points early in the season, and that was really important based on you know the previous two years. So accumulating points as quickly as possible was always high in the agenda, but I still think there's a lot more to come from the squad. Uh, you know, we've maybe overachieved a little bit with those seven points in terms of the way the games have went. But one thing we have done is we've found a way to stay in games through the tough moments. And then we've capitalised on when we've been on top. So, And that includes the Conte Cup game against Liverpool, where I thought we were really good as well. And I remember speaking to you at the WSL Media Day last month, and, and you were chatting to me about how you felt that Leicester had all the facilities to be a top-half club, but didn't necessarily have a, a top-half team in recent seasons. And I suppose now, given the signings you've made this summer and, and the way you've started this season, do you now feel that you've got a team that has the potential to be a a top-half team this season? Yeah, I think that's a crucial bit, is we've got the potential to be a top-half team this year. You know, we're we're certainly not going to lay claims to being a top-half team yet, despite us sitting in a good place in the table after only a few games. We're we're not going to get too carried away with ourselves, but we've definitely got the potential. Uh, You know, we knew that with the signings that we made. We felt confident about that. We we really liked what we've seen in pre-season in terms of our work and the way we were playing, uh, the way the players were buying into everything and the way the new players were settling. I still think you'll see a better Leicester second half of the season. But uh, yeah, you're right. We had that conversation at the media day and we have got everything to be a top half club. And uh, it's it's my responsibility, I suppose, to make sure we've got a top half team and, and we, we've showed some early signs of promise to get in there. And how much of an impact have those new signings made? I mean, the likes of Lena Peterman and Yuta uh, Rantala have certainly hit the ground running so far, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. And like and like everybody else, because there was so many, so many that came in, uh, there were seven new faces, nine signings altogether, but two of them previously been on loan. I think it was about uh, settling them in as quickly as possible. But it just meant that what those new signings allowed us to do in terms of the way we wanted to take our game, it was going to be new for everybody. So, so that was really important that that everybody was developing at the same place, and 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 as much as the new signings have settled in, they've still got a way to go in terms of being hundred percent comfortable in in a Leicester strip, and and that's the same with the whole with the squad as a whole. You know, I keep going back to it, and it's going to be the second half of the season, but just now we're putting in really solid building blocks to to allow us to to continue our development. And you mentioned keeping one or two players you had on loan. Obviously, you managed to keep your goalkeeper, Janina Leipzig, as well. I mean, how key was that? Do you feel like, you know, we've, there's lots of great goalkeepers in with WSL, but do you feel like you've potentially got one of the best up at Leicester in, in Janina now? Yeah, I think we do have the best. Uh, yeah, I'm quite happy to go on record saying we've got the best. And uh, I think signing, signing Yanni was about, she guarantees you a certain place in the league. You know, I've, I said at the time, signing Yanni guarantees you do not get relegated. So uh, she's that big. And 
it was about building on top of that to then put in the other pieces to see how high we can climb up the league. But uh, yeah, Yanni without a doubt wins you points. And and actually bringing in Lisa Cop is great for Yanni as well because Lisa's a top goalkeeper herself. Her distribution is second to none. And uh, and that has really brought something out else, something else out in Yanni that we probably never seen last year. Yanni's a lot more confident in possession because she now has to be because she's got a goalkeeper breathing down her neck for minutes uh, who is excellent in possession. So uh, so Yanni's adding things to her game and she's still young and you know what baffles me is she's fifth or sixth choice for Germany and uh, we will try and help her climb climb that and uh, and get into the Germany squad by the end of the season. Valiant performance from Leicester. And I tell you what, last season they'd have definitely taken keeping that scoreline down to just a goal, wouldn't they? Uh, and maybe Manchester City could have been a few more goals up, but they did have some chances to equalise Leicester, didn't take them. Uh, will that have dented their momentum, do you think, after that strong opening run? Um, no, I don't. I think with Leicester, they're obviously Willie Kirks. They're in a good place. And I think you can see they've got off to a really good start against these types of teams. And I talk about the budgets all the time, but teams like Manchester City, you know, we're seeing the WSL. I think it's getting more competitive. Obviously, Liverpool beating Arsenal first game of the season. And Leicester City, I think Willie Cook said at his post-game interview, we're not a little Leicester City anymore. And I think that's true. I mean, they're only four games in, so you don't want to get carried away. But they're certainly in a really, really good space. So I think it's a respectful scoreline. I think they need to be better defensively, Leicester do. I think ultimately, that's what kind of cost them the game. Goalkeeper, I think, should have done better on the goal. But I think Manchester City, you know, I've always said, I don't think they've achieved anywhere near what they should be. You know, with the budget they've had, especially not being in the Champions League and those types of things, I think they should be doing far better than they have been. <laughs> Interesting you say that, bearing in mind what we just heard from Willie Kirk there. Uh, happy to go on record saying Janina Leipzig is the best goalkeeper in the league. I mean, clearly you don't agree in that case. Um, no, because Mary Earps is in the league and she's the best goalkeeper in the world. And that's not just my opinion, that's factual. So I, I love the fact that he's backing his goalkeeper. You know, it's what you do. It's what you're supposed to do as a manager. And he sees her every single day in training. So it's not that I'm discrediting his opinion, but I think sometimes, um, you know, coaches, managers, sometimes they say things. Look at Mark Skinner after the champion, the Women's Champions League when they went out. You know, people say things sometimes that they just think and get a bit carried away. It happens to the best of us. So, you know, I think that I, I get where he's coming from and he wants to back her, but Mary Earps is in the league and Mary Earps is the best goalkeeper in the world. <laughs> just a quick, we will talk about those Mark Skinner comments, by the way, but a quick one on Manchester City. How strong are they looking at this point in the season? Yeah, I mean, I think you've only got to look at when they went behind and against Chelsea and they were ahead and then they had two red cards and the mentality. I've always said I felt Gareth Taylor should be doing far better with the players he's had over the years. You know, you look at the players that have come and gone from that football club, Sam Mewis, Rose Lavelle, even at one point Carly Lloyd was there. You know, they've had some top, top players. But I think the fact that Jill Rood's back there, back in the league, I think Bunny Shaw, what a player she is. Alex Green with Chloe Kelly, you know, they've got a lot of really good individuals. Yeah, they really have. As have Manchester United. It was a 5-0 spanking of Everton at the weekend, continuing their unbeaten run in the league to the season. Melvin Mallard opening the scoring for United before Nikita Paris and Rachel Williams scored twice each. Really strong performance from Mark Skinner's side, Leanne, wasn't it? And, you know, a good response as well after they were knocked out of the Champions League. Yeah, it's not an easy thing to do, especially only a few days later when you're knocked out. But I think with this Manchester United team, I think they're at this interesting point now because they're no longer a new team. You know, they've been in existence now for four years. 
So they're no longer a team that can use excuses that we're a new developing team. And I think last year, making the FA Cup final, you know, finishing second in the league, third in the league as well. I think you're seeing progress, but I still think they're a little bit off. I, I still think there's something missing from this Manchester United team. And obviously, Alessio Russo might be might be that person that's missing. You know, you're losing those types of players. Mary Earps also wanting to leave to a certain degree. It'd be interesting to see if she still goes, maybe in the transfer window. Who knows? So, you know, players wanting to kind of move. Bacha, obviously going to Barcelona as well. They've lost a number of players. Yeah, they have. Um, didn't matter this weekend, though, with a 5-0 win. But that perhaps is because of Everton's leaky defence. Uh, last game of the weekend, West Ham won, Liverpool won. West Ham scoring in stoppage time uh, to earn a point there. Liverpool entirely dominant yet again throughout the game. They've had such a great start to the season. So much so, West Ham didn't even manage a shot on target until stoppage time in the second half. But uh, Marie Hobinger's 52nd minute goal for the visitors ultimately cancelled out by Rico Wecky's 94 fifth minute equaliser. Liverpool really gave that away at the last minute. I'm sure Matt Beard, their manager, was uh, very unimpressed at the final whistle, but something to be said for the impact Rianne Skinner's having at West Ham. Yeah, definitely. You could see Matt Beard in his post-game chat that he had, the interview, he was kind of, you could tell he was gutted because the thing with this Liverpool team, they seem to be like the giant killers, but then can't really take care of business when it comes to the teams that they kind of should be beating. And we saw that last year, you know, they beat Chelsea in the opening day of the season. And then this year, beating Arsenal in the first game at the Emirates. So there's, there's a lot of positives to take from that game. But I think Matt Beard, going against his former team as well, will also be quite disappointed with how to concede. Because he would have seen that game as a game they could have won. But Rianne Skinner, you know, she's done a really good job going in after Paul Koncheski. I always felt like West Ham weren't that far away from being a top team. I just feel it. When you're watching them last year, when we did the game on TalkSport, the Chelsea game, they went ahead, but then Chelsea can bring on, you know, the, the Lauren James, Jesse Fleming, those types of players. There's only so much you can do. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. 
Manchester United may have put on a convincing performance against Everton this weekend, but they couldn't do enough to keep their Champions League dream alive. Their 3-1 defeat to PSG means they're out of the European competition, leaving Chelsea the only English club in the running. I asked Leanne, who was part of the only English team ever to win the Women's Champions League, that was Arsenal quite a while ago, what Manchester United can take away from their first experience in the competition. Ultimately, they'll be, you know, it feels like that's exactly where Manchester United women should be in the Champions League, but ultimately you have to win. I think they had a bit of a rough ride getting Paris Saint-Germain in that qualification. I think that needs to be revamped, if I'm being honest. But I think all the comments and stuff that came out after the game with the managers like Arsenal, Wolfsburg, those types of things, and they didn't make it. You have to win what you have to be and win what's in front of you. I think Paris Saint-Germain deserved to go through. I thought there was an absolutely shocking refereeing decision when Nia Golton scored. I'm not saying that would have changed the game, but they had the momentum going there. So mm. I think Lika Martin's just, you know, she looks like she's cooking again. She looks like she's found that fire in her belly that she had from a few years ago. And I think they can really, I don't think as a player, you'll be looking at this of what you can learn from it because they've gone out in the qualification rounds. And I'm sure there would have been a lot of conversations about how far they can go in this competition because other teams in there, but they, unfortunately, they got Paris Saint-Germain in the qualification. That's the reality. So, so what would you say is missing then in that case? Because obviously, the, you know, they're pitting themselves against one of Europe's best, but they wanted to be doing that in the group stages. OK, so if we're just kind of looking at the level of PSG versus the level of Manchester United, what's the difference between the two? I think, you know, experience in this competition as well. There's a reason why, I mean, you know, I won it once and I celebrate every single day. It's not an easy thing to do. Wendy Renard's won it eight times, if I remember rightly. So you can't even imagine how that must feel to win this type of competition. I agree with you. That's a really good point, Faye, that you made because ultimately you want to be, you would have been wanting to be in the groups for these types. You've had to play against these types of teams, potentially. But I think the, the disappointment is, is that we don't see Wolfsburg, Arsenal, you know, Manchester United and Juventus in the in in the in the group stages like but again you have to beat what's in front of you I think the quality Manchester have it but PSG just had it had it more and you always felt that they were in control yeah and you touched on you know the the format as it stands what what do you make of it how much what needs to be revamped because if anybody's missed all the fury that was going on this week basically Arsenal and two-time Champions League winners Wolfsburg obviously are not in the group stages Two big teams missing, both knocked out in qualifying. Manchester United, you know, first time in the competition, now knocked out in qualifying. But Mark Skinner said afterwards that it has to be easier for WSL teams to qualify for the group stages. Chelsea boss Emma Hayes hit back saying, I think that's ignorant and arrogant all at once for us to say that. Roma and Benfica, for example, are two teams who won their leagues and deserve perhaps to go straight into the um, group competition. I think only four teams do, Leanne, don't they? Um, And she said, it's not about my opinion. This is what the format is and we just have to play for that. So it's all about coefficients, isn't it? How do you even go about explaining this to somebody who's maybe new to the UEFA Women's Champions League? Yeah, it's a lot to dissect because I remember when I played in Cyprus with Apollo and we always used to have to go through qualification and we then had lost a, a game in like 10 years. And that's not even me being exaggerating. I think it needs to be revamped with regards to, I agree with what Emma Hayes is saying to a certain degree. I don't think any team has a divine right to just walk it into the Champions League. But they also, Manchester United finished second. So it's like there needs to be some type of revamping. You know, when you look at the Men's Champions League, the top four go into it. So, you know, the last thing you want to be doing is playing more games. And I don't think it should just be the one, the team that wins it gets qualifiers.
ultimately, yeah. I don't think that should be the case. So we want to see the best teams in it. But again, you have to beat the best to be the best, in my opinion. I've always said that. And if you're going out in the qualification rounds, then maybe you have to have a look at yourself. I mean, Paris FC, absolutely flying. They beat Wolfsburg. They beat Arsenal. Mm. You know, so they absolutely deserve to be there. Um, Wolfsburg were in the final last year. You know, Arsenal were in the semi-final and they're not there. So on the flip side, on a positive note, it's like these teams are getting better, Faye. We've seen it in the World Cup teams that no one expected to beat teams or beating teams. And I think the women's game in, in its entirety has progressed the quality because we're not yeah. seeing, you know, teams run away with these things anymore. There's other teams that, look, I get Paris FC, prime example. A few bits of news we brought you in the show this week as well. And it was announced that Saudi Arabia want to host the 2035 Women's World Cup. You'll remember the huge backlash surrounding the proposed Visit Saudi sponsorship at this year's Women's World Cup before the idea was eventually scrapped. And given the vast concerns over women's rights limitations and the anti-LGBTQ plus stance in Saudi Arabia, I asked Leanne what her thoughts on the announcement were. Similarly to the Men's World Cup in Qatar, it's hard to know what the right answer is because they ultimately shouldn't really be there. But they are, and we go and we do our job, right? And I've been to Qatar many times and had nothing but great experiences, but I realised I'm not Qatari. So therefore, their experiences will be completely different to mine. I think with the Saudi League and how things are going, I think it's going to be hard to stop these types of things. I really do. Because obviously, the World Cup got announced in Qatar 12 years or so before it even happened. And then everybody just started making noise about a year before, six months before it was going to be there. And that was too late for it to be changed. And it was never going to be changed. So the Saudi League, I think obviously they've got the Women's League there now as well. And I have, I have a hard time getting my head around it because I'm not going to say I won't be going to Saudi because if I get offered opportunities, I will be going, pending that it's safe there, pending that I can be on the ground there and see what change I can make. Because I've realised by going to Qatar, I've made some change. I've done football camps at the Khalifa Stadium for all women, all female, and, and nobody really wants to talk about those types of things. It's always about the negative stuff. So should it be in Saudi, a Women's World Cup? No, it shouldn't really be in a place where women can't even attend the men's football matches. Should it really be? You know, should, how was that even a, a conversation? So I have a feeling that it will be there. I have a feeling that if people don't want it to be there, they should probably start speaking up now instead of waiting until, a, you know, six months before and then speaking about it. So I have a feeling that it's going to be hard to stop, but I don't think it should be in these types of countries. I really don't. But if it is, then, you know, we have to do our job. We go and, and it is what it is. Our weekly fan feature, The View from the Stands, was back this week as we checked in with Tottenham fan Caroline Stefko to find out what she's made of the club's high-flying start to the season. Hey, Caroline, how's it going? I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me. That does not sound like a North London accent to me. Where are you Where are you from? I'm actually from San Antonio, Texas. Amazing. How come there's a Spurs link? I don't get it. You know, we have our NBA Spurs team here. But I really just fell in love with the the Tottenham men's team. And as soon as I found out that there was also a women's team, I got onto supporting them as well. So um, I've been enjoying the journey, you know, basically from when they started in the WSL. And probably enjoying it more this season than you have done in previous seasons, certainly last year as well. What have you made uh, to the start of the season and, and what have you made of Robert Villaham? Well, I have to say he and the whole team have really just exceeded my expectations. You know, I was a little nervous coming into this season after the relegation scrap last year and wasn't totally sure that we had done enough in the transfer window to really make a go of it. But um, they're all just, you know, they've been bringing it every week. And I think Robert has really gotten the best out of, you know, as he's pointed out, not just the new players, but some of the returning players as well. 
Caroline, what did you make of the big decision to obviously take the captaincy away from Selena Zadorski and give it to Beth England? I know Beth's out injured, but I don't think a lot was made of that. But I feel like it's a pretty big statement for a new coach to do as soon as he comes in. Yeah, I do think it was a surprise. Um, but we know Shalina had had, you know, her health issues last season and hadn't been a regular starter. So I understood it from that perspective. And I think Beth has really shown her leadership, you know, not just leading by example, but also being very vocal about, you know, mentoring the younger players on the team. And I, th- I think it was a good decision. And obviously, we're all really excited for her to come back from her injury. But it looks like Molly Bartrip and Olga Ottenen have done a really good job in the meantime of, you know, filling in that captaincy role. And I suppose she's still got, you know, a lot to give in the dressing room as as well from a captain's perspective, which is even more important, particularly when she's got her own issues coming back from her injury. But we, we were talking about the um, the impact of Martha Thomas on your season so far. What are your thoughts on how the side has been setting up and how on earth is Bethany England even going to slot back in? Yeah, that's that's the question is how do we somehow fit them both into the team? Because, you know, Martha really has made herself undroppable so far. And I think it just speaks to the kind of tactical change that Robert Wilhelm has brought. You know, we, we truly are playing attacking football again. And I will admit that I I was a little underwhelmed by Martha Thomas's signing um, just simply because she wasn't getting the game time at United. And I guess we probably should have seen this coming because it was the same with Beth England at Chelsea. You know, she she just hit the ground running and um, I've, I've been super impressed by her. I think she's a really versatile striker and can score a lot of different types of goals. So she's she's just been a revelation so far, honestly. And Caroline, you finished in ninth last year. What do you think are the realistic expectations of this year? Because I feel like Tottenham obviously have been in the league now for a couple of years. And I feel like there was quite a big gap when they first came up. You know, the North London derby was quite hyped up, but Arsenal used to run away with it. What are the expectations and how far do you think they can go with this team? Yeah, I think coming into the season, I was really kind of targeting that sixth place spot as a realistic um to aim for i i still think there are teams in the league that really just have that quality advantage over us across the whole squad in terms of depth and you know being able to sustain it over a whole season but i don't know we've had such a positive start that i i feel like if a few of the teams that are kind of around us you know in that you know middle closer to the top part of the table um if they continue to slip like aston villa like brighton you know it we could have some potential to move up a couple spots but right now i'm really just enjoying watching my team play good football again and you know watching some of the players um you know, I think one especially that I want to highlight is Jess Naz. You know, we've been waiting for her to have her breakout and it looks like that's finally going to happen this season. So, yeah, it's just been a fun time to be a Spurs fan. Brilliant. Now, listen, it's a long distance from Texas to Brisbane Road. Are you, are you going to get an opportunity to to come over and watch them in the flesh at some point? Uh, I really hope so. I, I did get to watch them in preseason last year because they were over here in Louisville in the States. Um, but yes, I would love to get over to Brisbane Road as soon as possible. That's all from Talk Sports Women's Football Show this week. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget, you can listen back to the full women's football show itself via the Talk Sport app. This week, we were on 
on Monday at 7pm. So all you need to do is just swipe for Talk Sport, find Monday, and you can listen in full then. And the WSL might be on a break, but there's still some exciting women's football for you to get stuck into. Just tune in to Talk Sport 2 on Friday night from 7.45pm. We'll be bringing you live commentary from the Lionesses Nations League fixture against Belgium at the King Power Stadium. We'll be back next Monday with the show around 7pm, where we'll look back on that fixture and bring you a live National League Cup draw. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.